What's up, Rebels? We are live. It's Rebel Live. It is Monday, June 26th. I'm starting late at 9.15 this morning. Just got back from Oregon. I was down in Grants Pass yesterday speaking at Converge. Converge 2017. Oh, my goodness, did I have an amazing time. Converge 2017. So much fun. Let's start with a verse of the day from Bible.com. Verse of the day with version, my favorite Bible app. I use it all the time. This is 1 John 2, starting in verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all the rebels out there in the struggle to be better spouses and better parents. Be with us this week, Lord. Give us courage. Give us strength to do the right thing. Good morning, Josh. Good to see you all this morning. I had a great weekend. Are you following me on Instagram stories? Because if you're not, you're missing out. I posted a bunch this weekend. My goodness, I had so much fun. So let's get into how I got to Oregon. Um, I was up in or down in Grants Pass, which is uh, south of Portland, about four hours. So I did not go see the St. John's. Howdy, I will be coming to see you guys soon because we're planning a trip to California and Oregon. Um, so let's listen to this. Let's, let's hear this. 20 years ago, I was speaking at an event called Acquire the Fire Day One. It was at the Pontiac Silverdome. All you young people, uh, some of you don't even know what the Pontiac Silverdome is or the legacy of the Pontiac Silverdome. I'm just this little tiny piece of that, just a little piece. But now I keep watching Red Bull uh, Media House go there and do BMX videos in the Pontiac Silverdome that the domes collapsed. And I want the seats. I want to build a theater in like our backyard and go get a bunch of Pontiac Silverdome seats for that. Anyway, I met the newsboys there for the very first time. I saw this guy with gigantic hair, huge hair that I'm still jealous of today, Phil Joel. And I got time. So uh, Andrew Brown, so good to see you. There's one of my friends about Way of the Warrior Kid for his kid. His kid loves it. Mine too. Way of the Warrior Kid, Jocko Willink. Um, anyway, um, let's see. I got a call to speak at Acquire the Fire Day One and was super, super stoked. They gave me a full 40-minute spot. I couldn't believe it. And then every month or three weeks, they would call and then cut my time down a little bit until about three weeks out, they cut my time again and I was down to 15 minutes, 15 minutes. I went from 40 minutes to 15 and I had uh, a giant head and huge pride and tons of ego. And I remember talking to my boss, Jim Burns, and I was like, I can't believe this, you know, and I'm like, I'm important and I got things to say and this is barely an intro and how, how dare they and what are they gonna let me do? And he goes, yeah, that's all true. Uh, are they still paying you your full fee? And I said, yeah, they're paying me my full fee. And he goes, they're what? They're going to pay you your full fee for 15 minutes. And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you have any idea how much that makes you per hour? And then my ego in my head got even bigger. And I was like, oh, what a good perspective. How ridiculous. I was so sensitive about getting my time cut down. And then just one perspective change. And all of a sudden, it made me feel so good about it. So I went and um, I get out there and Pontiac Silverdome is this big dome, and there's a stage down here and a catwalk that comes out, and then this huge thing. There's people from here all the way around to here, just barely not in this little wedge back there. Um, 
people everywhere. I could pull a Casey Neistat and draw something. Um, in fact, I'm going to. This is so. This is ridiculous. So, stadium, stage, catwalk, me. See, ta-da! How do you like my art? So good. So, goalpost, goalpost, goalpost. And at one point, I'm talking. Here's the deal, dude. I went out. I go out there, and I give my intro, and I tell my first joke, and at least half the crowd laughed. And you have no idea. I, up until that moment, and I'll never – I don't know if I'll ever feel it again. I told a joke, and at least half the crowd laughed. And this wave washed over me, and I realized 30,000 people think I'm funny at the same time. There is no drug like that. There is no feeling like that. It is a very dangerous feeling, let me tell you. But it was a good feeling. I was like, what? This is amazing. So I'm just rocking and rolling, and I'm hitting it. And maybe three, four minutes in, I start to lose this. Let's see. Here's seats going all the way around like this. Man, I'm an artist like nobody's business. People, people, people. I start losing this section of the crowd over here, this section. And I can't figure out why. I haven't said anything funny, but I hear all the screaming and yelling and screaming is going on and, and people and it and it, it starts moving with the stadium and then and then this side of the stadium's doing all that. And then I see one person walking down there and uh, and he's got like crazy hair. I'm not gonna draw anymore because it's getting ridiculous. And I realize it's Phil Joel. And I realize somebody has walked them onto the floor of the dome. And the kids are seeing him because he's so recognizable. And I'm about to lose the crowd. And I can't be that guy that's like, shh, I'm really important. Listen to me. I mean, I already feel that way. But I know I can't be that guy because nobody wants to be that guy. Uh, I saw somebody try to be that guy that day. Rebecca St. James was there. Oh, I got to tell you about Re Rebecca, too, because we have a funny story about Rebecca and an explosion. Um Rebecca gets up, and this is when she was at the height of her, like, just insanity, and that song God came out, and she was just killing it with the little Alanis Morissette style going on, and she pulled off that song, and 72,000 kids were going just cray. The whole place, the just the dome, it was probably when the dome started to crack, because we were just exploding that dome. The very next guy to get up could have done anything and ruled, and instead, he opened with... A moment of silence. He made everybody sit down, and he just looked at his watch and made everyone be quiet. And I was like, you just lost it. Like, every speaker there, every seasoned speaker there just cringed. Like, what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, I'm losing the crowd. I can't be that guy. And so I just went, ladies and gentlemen, the newsboys have entered the building, I point out. The whole place goes crazy, which, again, felt pretty good. I got to say, felt pretty good just because I said something. The whole crowd went, I mean, then 70,000 kids went nuts. Um, that was just bananas, but it took a long time to walk from one end of the dome to the other to get back to, it took a long time. By the time they got there, the thing was flashing. Like I had, you know, a minute and a half left. I had 15 minutes. I may have ended up speaking for five of those. Irony, irony, irony. Um, I give my clothes. I don't remember what it was. I don't even remember what I talked about. Who cares? It was so much fun. And I was just like, 
through the moon. I mean, it's just as a speaker to do something like that. It's just such a unique once in a lifetime opportunity. I remember being out there and thinking, don't forget this, Ryan. Don't forget this. This is maybe the only time you're ever going to experience it. And I really soaked it in. It was amazing. But as I'm walking backstage, the MC is like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We had no idea. I'm so sorry. And I was like, well, it's no big deal. Stage hand. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, what? Seriously, not a big deal. Did you hear them? 30,000 people think I'm funny. I'm the funniest person in the world. Like my head can't fit down through the tunnel. I'm feeling so amazing. It's just so insanity. Uh, and then I see all the newsboys, and I've just met them. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the newsboys, the kids are so stoked for you. It's going to be so great. And then all they're doing is saying, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. We didn't mean to interrupt you. didn't mean to interrupt you. I can't figure any of this out. Like, everyone is freaking out. Um, you know, in hindsight, maybe it was my last name. I don't even know. And I guess, whatever. Who cares? But they sent me, like, a gift basket in an apology and – the president of Multnomah Music was backstage with us, and he had bought every one of his band members these sick leather jackets, and he gave me one, and I was like, what? And then I went and used their studio to record the audio version of my book, Be Intolerant. Uh, I didn't know you're not supposed to do those things in one setting, so I just sat there and did the entire book at once. And they're like, do you need anything? And this is when I was unhealthy and drinking Diet Coke. And I was like, yeah, just keep bringing me Diet Cokes, and I'll keep doing this. I made so many friends from that. So... That was a long story, and I'm going to keep going. Um, about seven, eight years later, I was with my friend Scott Saletta. What's up, Scotty Saletta? Good to see you. Um, Scott was in a band called Plank Eye back in the day, and he used to travel with me and help me do merch and security and make sure I kept my head on straight. And we were at an event, and newsboys were in town, and he was like, dude, we got to go see the news heads. And I was like, all right. And I was telling him the story on the way over. He is in hysterics. He thinks it's the funniest thing ever. He's like, you got to tell them. I'm like, they're not going to remember that. And he's like, who cares? Tell them anyway. And we're on the bus. And uh, Peter wasn't there. Phil was there. We're just chilling. And Scott's like, tell him the story. Tell him the story. And I was like, dude, it's enough. Like, no. And he's like, tell him the story. And so uh, I start telling him. And Phil goes totally white. And he goes, you're that guy? And I was like, what? And he's like, wait till Peter gets back. He's going to freak out. And I was like, come on. And he's like, we've talked about this ever since. And I was like, how ridiculous, you know? And he just keeps laughing to himself. And Peter comes in. He's like, Peter, guess who this is? And Peter's like, James Dobson's son? And he's like, yeah, guess who else he is? And he's like, who? And he's like, he's the guy. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's the guy. And he's like, no, he's not. And I'm, I'm totally confused. Peter doesn't turn white. He turns red and gets angry. I haven't seen him literally since that day. It's been seven or eight years since I've seen him. And now he's mad. And I'm like, what have I done? I made Peter mad. And he goes up on this tirade about pride. And apparently some new security guy uh, – said, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing, and then walked them right out on the floor because there was literally a tunnel to get backstage so nobody knew who was going on next. And that guy broke protocol, and they interrupted me, and they felt terrible because they just didn't want to be known as egomaniacs, like, look how cool we are, we can interrupt people and, and do that thing. And I was like, bro. And he's like, we owe you so big. And I was like, you don't. I had the most fun in the world that day. It was the greatest time I've, I spoke in front of more people than I've ever spoken in front of, and and they were like, see, it's even worse because it's the biggest crowd you've ever been in front of, and we interrupted you. And I was like, no. Like, it was so funny. It was just they're the greatest, like the best. And they're like, what can we do? We owe you. And I was like, 
take me on tour with you. I want to be an evangelist. And they were both like, why would you want to do that? Have you ever been on tour before? And I'm like, no, it looks like fun. They're like, it's not fun. It's terrible. It's a grind. It's blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. Peters looks at me, he goes, done. And that was it. They hired me on the spot. And I went on Festival Con Dios the next year. Toured with 14 bands for two months. Uh, and lo and behold, the bus that I lived on belonged to Cutlass with John Micah Summerall and James and all those dudes. I lived with them for a couple months. The next year, I went back on the road with them, uh, with Cutlass, Thousand of a Crutch, FM Static, Falling Up. I am actually in a music video of FM Static. Yeah, that's right. I'm the bad guy in a music video uh, that I uh, cheated my girlfriend in the music video. Yeah, that's a good story. In fact, I'll tell you what. I will look for that video. I'll post it. And then uh, I'll tell you the story of how we made that music video at Dodger Stadium or near Dodger Stadium uh, that my then girlfriend, who introduced me to Laura, was in the music video with me. How about that? Yeah, I bet she's forgotten that she was in a music video. Uh, but I'll do that maybe on Friday. Uh, so I went on tour with, with them two years in a row. Jeff Barron, my barber extraordinaire, El Jefe, Big Jeff. Dude, I look good this weekend. Sorry. Don't mean to be prideful, but the anchor was looking fresh and the fade was tight. 3,000 people in Grants Pass. So I felt good. By the way, that's the life of a speaker, if you want to be honest. If my hair looked funky, if I had like, you know when you get that neck hair that sticks out and stuff like that, I would have been a wreck on stage. But my man, Jeff, he hooks me up. Um, long story short. I haven't seen John Micah in, I don't know, maybe a decade from Cutlass. And a month or so ago, he calls me up and he's like, hey, man, you want to come to an event with us? I was like, of course I do. Of course. I know I can't wait to come see the new space. I'm super stoked. Yeah, you want to shave a big design in my head? Who thinks I should shave a big design in my head? I think I'm going to do that. I know, it's so funny. No, no, no. They were, here's the funny thing, Jason. I should have. I wish I had a drone shot of that. That's hilarious that you noticed that. I should have gotten a drone shot because if you looked at it from above, anywhere there was pieces of shade, there were people. Like, they were far away. It was a little bit of a bummer because I hate being far away from crowds. But literally right behind me, a ton of people. I kept turning around and talking to people right behind me. And just to my left, huge crowd, super close because there was tons of shade over there. But right in front of the stage, there was like – and there was this one little finger of shade that went out, and there's people in that one finger. Hilarious. Totally fun. And this weekend, my goodness. So I'm a crier. I, I've, like, I don't know. I feel like the Grinch, my heart grew, like, four sizes too big or something. And I just went through a break a few years ago, and it just kind of changed my whole life and personality. So uh, Friday, I, I haven't even told you this. So Lincoln has been at American Ninja Warrior Camp all week. I know, first world problems, right? Just amazing. Ninja Warrior Camp. We are obsessed with American Ninja Warrior. We watch it all the time. It's huge, huge, huge fans. Uh, we've watched every single season. I've watched the Japanese seasons before he was born. Like, you name it, we're into it on American Ninja Warrior. They have an American Ninja Warrior Camp here in town. He's going to go back to it next month, I think. Um, sorry about that. Um Pardon me, my manager texted me right there, and it just threw me off. Oh, anyway, American Ninja Warrior Camp. So, uh, and he kind of had some struggles this week. Like, it's hard. Like, some of that, you know, when, when you're not used to doing 
pull-ups or hand over hand or monkey bars like all day, every day, like rope climbs. I mean, my hands are getting callous because I do Olympic lifts. So I'm on a barbell almost every morning, and then I do, I'm trying to do pull-ups just like Jocko. So so funny. Link and I are doing this pull-up routine from uh, Way of the Warrior Kid uh, where we're doing negatives. You hold yourself, and then you let yourself down slowly, and you do both ways. Uh, you hold yourself up over the bar, and then, and then when you can't hold anymore, you let yourself down slowly. So I do as many pull-ups as I can in a row, st- uh, strict pull-ups, and then you hold, and you do that. Anyway, he was getting some serious calluses, uh, blisters. They were bursting. It hurt, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then one day he was doing the overhand thing, and just kept falling and was upset by it. And it, I mean, this is being relayed to from mommy to me. Uh, and he wanted to leave. And she was like, no, we're not leaving. And then he would go and try it again and fall uh, and then come back and get upset and want to leave. And she was like, nope, we're not leaving. So, like, keep doing it. and Or sit down and hang out. But whatever, we're not leaving. And he kept doing it, kept doing it, kept and then finally got past one of them. Thank you for sharing, Dominga. I appreciate it. I will you all follow suit. Share this video. Dominga's my best sharer. She shares all the stuff that we do. Um, but I was proud of him for trying. And then he finally got it after a long time and he was exhausted and his hands, they looked the little gnarls, like no joke. He was, he was putting the time in. So Friday was their big competition and I went and had a ball. Uh, it was seriously a great time. Great, great time. Uh, and Lincoln got first place. Like I am proud Papa. He got first place in his age group and his team. So I can't. I just don't have really words for it. Like, I'm I'm so, so thrilled. Andrew, I know you're listening. You've read Way of the Warrior Kid. Those that haven't won't get this part. I was struggling with how hard to celebrate, and I went full. I went hog wild celebrate. I'm so thrilled at how hard he tried all week and then the paying off. And only second to that image for me is – There was a kid during it, and all the parents are videoing, and everybody's there. Uh, and there was a kid that fell on virtually every obstacle. And every time he did, he would look over at his dad with this look on his face. He was just like, you know, um, and his dad's videoing the whole time. And, and I'm, I'm putting words in people's mouths for sure. I'm, I am. Um, but I just remember thinking if I was falling over and over and over again, I'd be like, hey, turn the video camera off. No one wants to watch this. All right. Stop. This is terrible. And it just kept happening. It kept happening. And I'm not kidding. I got super choked up. Like I had to get up and leave for a while because I, I just for some reason I connected with that kid's pain so intensely. I couldn't get over it. Like Laura heard me. I, I just I, I I'm I don't know. It just it hurt. It hurt to watch. It hurts to watch kids in pain. And I got back to my office, and my friend Casey had written a piece about his son. He's got a son who's 8 or 10, and his son had been trying out and working for uh, the traveling Little League team. And they had added up all the stats and the scores, and his son made it. And they went to bed that night thinking, man, this is amazing. And his dad got the text in, and they had tallied the score wrong, and his son didn't make it. And his son got up the next morning waiting to hear the good news, and he had to break it to him that there is no good news. You didn't make the team. His son's devastated. I sat in my office and cried. I did. I cried. I just sat here and cried. It made me so sad for him and his son because I know those there are those things that I do with Lincoln like that and how hard it is for me and how hard it is for every parent. And, and here's the thing. 
and I want dads that are listening to hear this because so often I'll be like, it's all right, man. It's okay. Just walk it off. Rub some dirt on it. It's okay. No big deal. But it is a big deal. It hurts. That sucks, man. It fully sucks. Like, it just, it hurts so much to be disappointed. It does. And I don't want to make kids a baby by like baby them in those situations, but I want to hug them in those situations and love them and let them cry. And that's the interesting thing. My life got better when I learned how to cry. Like it just did. And, and then as I was sitting there and I'm preparing for this event in Oregon, I went out there because Oregon failed their state audit in foster care. Uh, and then when the feds found out they had a federal audit and they, they failed the federal audit as well. In 2015, over 670,000 children were in foster care. Uh, Shelly Daniels is on here all the time. They foster lots of babies, and they adopt them too, and her stories are bananas. They, they'll break your heart, and I'm sitting there looking at Lincoln, and I'm looking at my friend Casey and his kid, and, and, and don't get it twisted. For sure, how much more first-world white people problems could this be? Like, my buddy has a batting cage in his backyard. It's totally sick. I'm a little bit envious of it. I'd like one, too. His kid's fine. He's got great parents and, and a dad that cares and a mom that cares, and my kid is fine. Like, I cry with my kid and all those things, and I start talking about foster care, and, man, those kids aren't worried about not making the traveling Little League team or not doing that good at American Ninja Warrior Camp. Those kids are asking, why, don't my why won't my parents stop doing drugs? Why do my parents abuse me? Why do the cops come to my house and fight with my dad and pepper spray him in the face and I got to live in the same house that, that, that someone got shot in and and why can't I live with my family 670,000 American children with no family to take care of them what the what is wrong with us sorry I'm just gonna flip for a second and people are like oh you have to do something you have to do something and this is what I told them you don't have to no you don't you get to don't you understand that you get to in James when it talks about it like uh, when James says, when, by the way, this is so great, man. There's, I love pastors. Oh, there's some Calvary pastors there. Woo, Calvary pastors. Woo, I love Calvary pastors. You know, I'm preaching on this, and I, I, I'm standing thinking, I wish I was good at languages. I'm so poor at that. I want to hire a good language person because I know I'm not getting stuff. But when it says to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction, that word visit What? Are you serious? We got to talk about that. Laura and I were talking about that. <laughs> oh, the rebel world is turning upside down. It doesn't just mean visit. It means be with them, assess what they're going through, and remedy the situation that they're in, man. We get to be the eternal voice of Jesus Christ. I talk about my friend Matt Mayer all the time. Matt wrote a book. Oh, is it here? Is it home? Oh, I didn't bring it here. Is that it? No. Maybe that's it. at home he's got a book called you may be the only jesus someone sees something like that i'll get the right title but he's exactly right and when you foster those babies man you want to get rid of race problems in america start fostering babies start doing what the church is supposed to do well here's what happened here's what happened we got lazy right we got lazy i was listening to jocko this morning i should play it for you he has he said i have my three pillars of guaranteed success pillar one discipline pillar two Discipline. Pillar three, hard work. That's what we used to believe. We used to believe that the church used to say we're going to take care of people. And by and large, we still do. We still do a better job than the government does. For sure, that's going on. And 
A lot of the church usurped its duty and gave it to the government, which is why the government is involved in marriage. It's why the government's involved in drug rehab centers and foster care and all those things because the church didn't do its duty. We usurped it to the government. And the government stinks at doing virtually everything. The bureaucracy stinks. So when Oregon failed foster care, they found out the only place it was doing well was in the Portland area because a bunch of evangelical churches got involved and started doing that. And so that's what I was there for. Uh, and uh, my goodness, I had the greatest time. And let me tell you, I I felt your prayers. I felt your prayers. My godmother came. Bev, I was so stoked. My goodness, she looked fantastic. She's got this sweet blonde hair. My godmother is like 6'2". She's amazing. So you can see her from far away. And you need that as a speaker. My friend um, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel and... Sorry, my microphone is going nuts. I got to get a new one. Uh, Lee Strobel and, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. It's his best friend. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Ugh. I hear you, Michael. I still disagree. I think the government ought to get out of marriage. I think it's a big money-making thing, and I think lawyers love it. Uh, I think Ronald Reagan began this with uh, no-fault divorce, which is why we're in such a hard time today. I wish we could repeal all that, but the lawyers don't want it. Um, Lee Strobel and, oh, his best friend, I forget, but they go see each other speak, and they sit in the front row of each other when they speak so that they have a familiar face there. My godmother Bev was there, and my godsister Debbie, and her husband Mark, and their kids. Oh, my goodness, they're so great. They came and saw me, and we had the best time, and I was stoked. Oh, and then, are you kidding? I forgot the best part, or another best part. And then I got to hang this up because I've been talking too long. Uh, a gentleman named Dominic walked up to me afterwards. I got to talk to tons of people afterwards and love on people. Um, here's the other thing, too. Um, if you go see a speaker, none of my fans would do this, but let me just tell you. If you go see a speaker and you think something he said was incorrect, that shouldn't be the first thing out of your mouth when you meet them later that day. Maybe give it a little time. Maybe email later. I don't care. Like, I just let it roll off my back. But it used to really, really, really affect me. Um, anyway, I was talking to tons of people, and this guy came up, and he's like, uh, you know, I so appreciate what you said today, and, you know, it really spoke to me. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And we talked for a bit, and he said, uh, are you a pastor? And I said, well, I don't, I don't pastor a church, but I am ordained. And his eyes lit up, and he said, well, you know, I've really wanted to get baptized for a long time, but I've never really met the right. And I just interrupted him. Like, you want to get baptized right now? Because they did a baptism after I spoke, after church. Um, and he was like, can you, can you do it? Because uh, they were doing a baptism, and I was like, I don't know, but there's water in us, so I'm sure someone's going to let me baptize you. And he was like, okay. So, And then I get the quandary, because you know me, I look like this, but I don't look like this when I work. So I've got jeans on and a button-down shirt and... Uh, my chaperones, uh, Nick and Jessica, they were just the sweetest couple. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, Converge 2017, you all in, uh, Grants Pass, Medford area, you treated me so well. I really do appreciate it. I went to the greatest bar. Anyway, um, man, ran over to the car, grabbed some shorts and a t-shirt. Thank you, Matt Mayer, for my t-shirt. Uh, Ran down to the water. Denny was there from Medford. Denny is a Calvary pastor. Again, love the Calvary pastors. And uh, I said, hey, Denny. Uh, this, and he was like, Ryan, you know. And By the way, it was totally funny because I come running down on my shorts, and someone taps me. He's like, hey, 
this guy wants to get baptized and he's like, come on down to me. And I'm like, Denny, it's me. I was just up there speaking. And he's like, oh, Ryan, because this is the way I look. Um, and so we ran out in the river and, uh, and I got to, do, uh, to baptize Dominic and then I cried because that's what I do. And it's just, it was the greatest, just unbelievable. And then, um, we went to, um, Brittany and Scott's house. I remembered your name. I'm so stoked. Brittany and Scott. Scott works for Pepsi, and that was hilarious because my family is a Coke family. My grandpa, my dad's dad, was in business with the first person to put Coca-Cola in a bottle. Uh, and they were just like, anti-Coke. And so we had all the jokes about when people buy Coke people Pepsis or Pepsi people Cokes. And, and oh, my goodness, their house – uh, I, I got to be honest, it, I like took pictures and I was so it was just the cutest. They were the most gracious couple and their families were there. Just thank you. Thank you all. I, I, I can't believe this is my job. I just can't. I can't. I want to thank my manager, Joy Groweby, the Frontline Group, um, Keenly out in Arizona, helping us come to the next level. I couldn't do it without all you guys. And I couldn't do it without you guys sharing these videos, sharing the podcast, Grabbing phones out of people's hands and subscribing to the podcast. <clears throat> Couldn't do it without you. God bless. I will see you on. I'll see you more times this week, not just Friday, probably tomorrow. Love you.